This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to the Human Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the Human Animal Connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the Human Animal Connection. Hi, welcome back to the Human Animal Connection Show. I'm your host, Michael Overly, and I'm with Jeannie Joseph. Today, we're going to talk about the power of focus. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's it's really an important idea because this is one of the principles in the human-animal connection that we believe that what you focus on, you're going to get more of. So if you focus on things that feel good, you're going to feel more good. And if you're focusing on things that cause you stress, you're going to feel more stress. So it's just a real simple equation that we teach our teenagers in our class called Canines Teach Compassion uh, to help them understand that they can steer their own brain. They may think they can't, but they can if they choose to. And the reason why we use this word focus is it's the same word we use when we're working with the dogs. And what I find is volunteering in the shelter, you know, where I, work, I volunteer at the shelter that has over 500 dogs there right now for adoption at the Pima Animal Care Center. And one of the things I will do is sometimes someone's adopt adopts a dog and I'll say, well, why did you pick that one? There's 499 other ones. And the, it's invariably I hear the same answer. It's oh, the way he looked at me, I couldn't leave him there, you know. And I realized, okay, this is what we need to teach all the dogs to do is how to make eye contact. Because eye contact is not necessarily a natural thing for animals. Um, Some dogs like it, some dogs don't. If they've lived with a human family, maybe eye contact has been a positive thing for them and they know how to do it the minute they get to the shelter, but many dogs don't. They haven't had good human social interactions and eye contact can be a bit scary. So we do a process um, after we teach them sit in the kennel, we teach them to focus, which they learn in about three <laughs> three times, you know, three times doing it. We put a treat right at the top of our nose between our eyes. The second the dog looks at us, boom, they get a treat, right? They get this treat. So it's right there. And three times, boom, they know it. And then once they know it, then we add the word focus. We say it the same way each time. And this is what we teach the kids to teach the dogs in our class. So the kids learn to teach the dogs how to focus, which allows us to teach them about the power of focus. So that's why we do that. Yeah. That's amazing. So this this is something that I work on the uh, with the man I work with. Because mm-hmm. um, oftentimes, if two guys make eye contact and they don't know each other, it's it's taken as a challenge. Right. right? Right. So similar to dogs who are not used to you know, making or sustaining that eye contact, that's threatening. Mm-hmm. So exactly. this is absolutely fascinating. Because, yeah, like if, um, if you find to- your yeah, if you find yourself in the jungle and you stare at a gorilla, he'll attack you because you started it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. a primal thing. Um, but we're going to talk about the difference between strong focus and soft focus in a moment. But it's so important because the dogs who don't make eye contact in the kennel when people are walking by and they've got 499 other dogs to look at, if that dog doesn't make contact, they're probably going to get passed up. And so by learning how to make this eye contact, they increase their chances of adoption. But it is something that um, we need to understand. If you watch how dogs do it, when they meet each other, they look at each other and then they look away. They look at each other and they look away. They do a little side, they'll look sideways or downward, and they will not usually sustain eye contact unless they are feeling 
they want to be intimidated or that they are intimidated. One or the other, there's some intimidation going on through a stare. So when two dogs are meeting each other for the first time, the last thing you want is them to go straight at each other, staring at each other. You want to break that. So um, in polite dog world, they would do circular behavior. They would look and look away. They would look and look away. And if you, you know, you'll see that. And that's a very, um, I'm okay, you're okay, look away. <laughs> it's a very, it, balanced dogs will do that very easily. Dogs that are, have had to fend for themselves or have other reasons to be more, uh, showing more dominance will, will give a hard stare. If you see that, you want to interrupt that immediately. You want to get your dog away from that. Or if your dog is doing that, you want to turn your dog's body, let you turn them literally to go back 90 degrees, 180 degrees, the other direction. You don't want um, two hard stares to go on for more than three seconds, basically. <laughs> you know, dogs will look at each other, that's fine. But if there's difference between soft eyes, which is I look at you, I look away, I look at you, I look away, that's very polite in the animal world. And in certain cultures, you know, like Western culture, if you're interviewing for a job in Germany, you want to look your boss straight in the eye from the beginning of the interview until the end of the interview, and you never want to blink or look away. You can blink, but you don't want to look left or right or avoid any ask you a question. Well, how would you do your last job? You look away. He's going to interpret that as either you're being deceptive or weak. So that Western culture very much values eye contact. You go to the Asian cultures, like I lived in Hawaii for 25 years. If I were to do that in a job interview, I would never get hired. You know, so I knew right away, you know, when I went for, I was in television at the time, worked for ABC, and I was meeting with this Asian gentleman who was hiring me, and I would look at him, and I would look away, and I would look at him, and I would look away, and I got hired. <laughs> and I think it's because I knew these little little tricks, you know, but it's just, it's just polite to respect different cultural differences. So you have certain cultures that really value intense or sustained eye contact and other cultures which are not as comfortable with that. And then, of course, individuals can vary within the cultures, but it's just important when you're meeting new people to pay attention to what is their preference for eye contact. And how do you know? Because they will do unto you what they like done unto. So, if they give you sustained eye contact, give it right back because they're going to feel that you're really connecting. You're really there for them. You're really listening. You know, somebody who's a strong eye contact person, you don't give them eye contact. They think you're not really interested or you don't care. You know, you're not listening to me. I am. You know, because if you're looking away, they don't feel like you're listening. Right? <laughs> so, everybody's different and each animal is different. So, when I'm meeting new dogs, I'm real careful to look and look away. I'll do the look and look away. And it's just subtle. It could just, it's just a lowering of the eyes. And you could see this if you ever have the opportunity to work with wild animals. Like in my yard, I have wild rabbits. I have to be careful not to, I can look, but I got to look away really quickly. Otherwise they're going to run. Oh. So we can have a little, little glance, but then we look away. And it's just, it's just this, I mean, not even a full on head tilt, just a, just a aver averting of the gaze. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So I want to go back to focus. Um, okay. So, what's the benefit of focusing on good as opposed to like focusing on a bad behavior? Yeah. So, um, when we focus on, like, just even at the human level, when we think about the things that I, I ask kids, make a list of five things that when you think about them, automatically make you feel good. And it could be big things or little things. Like, one of the things on my list is raspberries. <laughs> you know, and when I think about raspberries, it just makes me happy. I like the color. I like the smell. I like the taste. I like the texture. You know, I like the way it feels in my hand and my mouth. I just love them, right? So, I can think about raspberry and it just 
lifts my energy to feeling good. So we need, you know, a little list of these things because sometimes raspberry is not going to do it. I just, I'm not feeling good enough. Raspberry, it's going to take more than raspberries, right? So I need to think about my dog, how much I love Sophia, you know, how good she is when I put her on the demonstration table in the soothing touch for dogs class. And she just goes into this complete relaxed state and everybody loves her. And I tell the story, which is true, her true story. She was a feral dog and I rescued her and she used to scare grown men. So she was a wild thing. And now she's just this absolute ball of goodness, you know, and so to think about her can lift my spirits. So focusing on good helps me to feel good. And I know it sounds so obvious, but it's, it's like an important skill to be able to master our own brains. And when you have dogs um, that you're working with, pay attention to where's their focus. What are they looking at? If you see that dog focusing on that dog 50 feet away as you're walking and that hard stare is starting 50 feet away, don't keep walking. You know, you need to make a change because that where their eyes are is where their attention is. So paying attention to what dogs are looking at, and you'll see how dogs will stare at their food bowl or their the treat or the door if they want to go out. They're telling you what they want. And they expect us, like Sophia assumes that if she sits in front of the door and looks at it, I should understand that she wants to go out. And she's right. I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I've learned that to not pay attention to her signal, her quiet signal is going to result in something that I don't want. Right? <laughs> so paying attention to where animals focus is will help you understand their state of mind, whether or not they're peaceful or stressed and anything in between. So that's how... Um, focusing can help us, but also help us understand the animals who share our lives. Yeah. Oh man, we should train this into all the human educational systems. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it should be part of the man- mandatory education. That's why we do it on our Canines Teach Compassion, which is our high school program. It's like class number two. We teach this in, in class one or class two. We teach this, and it really makes a difference because a lot of people are feel at the mercy of their emotions. And they don't realize that they have options for changing their focus. When you change your focus, you change your state of mind and you change your emotions. So without necessarily, you don't even have to struggle with emotions. If you're sad, be sad. But what are you focusing on? Okay, focus on the sad thing for a moment. Okay, now focus on the raspberries. Now focus on the sad thing, focus on the raspberries. You go back and forth between the opposites and what you end up is a third thing, peace. By giving each one equal time, you can let, okay, this is the sad thing. This is why I'm sad. That's okay. That's okay. Here's my raspberries. Love those raspberries. Love Sophia. Back and forth. And that creates this third experience, which is a state of equanimity or balance. Those things become neutralized. So you can use opposites to neutralize in emotions. And, you know, it's so important to teach teens that because they are, with all the hormones and everything, they're very much at the mercy of their inner states and they don't know that there's a wheel that they can drive, right? Yeah. So, I wish I'd have had that class when I was a teen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even beforehand, right? Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. so this, to me, this speaks of quality of life. So mm-hmm. how does focus reflect the quality of life? So what you're focusing on, you're going to get more of. If you're focusing on things that feel good, you're going to feel good. If you're focusing on things that feel bad, you're going to feel more stressed. If I think about this thing that's stressing me right now, I have a thing that's stressful going on, right? The more I focus on the stressful components, the more I'm going to feel stressed. And there's going to be another reason to be stressed and another reason to be stressed. And and then double that because now there's three of them and now there's four of them and now there's eight of them. And, you know, it's just like virus, virusy. But I can also reverse that and say, okay, well, so what's really good about the situation that even though it's so 
big and stressful. I'm I'm buying a house if anyone wants to know what this is about. But <laughs> so it's really scary for me. It's my first time buying a house and I don't know if I made the right decision. You know, all the things that happen once you make a decision, which is a focus point, all of the other stuff is going to come up to be processed, right? So that's just the nature of energy, right? So uh, I, I like you reminded me before we started the show, I just need to focus on the good things about this experience, which are, you know, amazing and wonderful. It's just that the stress can, it's like turning up the radio dial, you know, the crazy talk show or something so loud, you can't hear yourself think it's, you know, so this is what, what focuses is, is we have to change our radio dial to what feels good, which will improve the quality of our life. Love that. Yeah. So I want to go back to the shelter dogs. Mm-hmm. I think this can this can never be um, discussed enough. So teaching focus as you do mm-hmm. um, in this shelter. So how would this benefit other shelters to do something similar? Right. Yeah. How 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 is focus a priority for shelter dogs? Yeah. So a lot of shelters um, encourage their volunteers to do simple training things like sit or down or wait for the door and th- you know all the good stuff, wonderful stuff. So they can add this in. Volunteers can learn to do that. We can teach a course, Michael, you and I can present this to shelters to teach. These these are things that volunteers can do because we know that none of them have the staff to, um, or most of them don't have the staff to do this kind of work. But like I said, a dog can learn this in three seconds. They get used to the idea that looking at a person gets me a treat, looking at a person gets me a treat. And then what we do, once they learn it, we slow it down. So now we're going to slow down that nervous system, build anticipation, which is the opposite of fear, by doing a very slow movement between our, hand, our where that treat was by our eyes to the dog's mouth. And they get used to this very, this is fun, eye contact equals good, equals treat, equals fun, equals pleasure, equals safe, versus eye contact is scary and dangerous. So um, that's one of the things I'd love to see all shelters move towards um, doing this. And the reason why this is good, let's say you have a situation in, in shelters, a lot of dogs have to cross each other. It isn't always pretty, you know, but if they learn that if they cross nicely, they get a treat. If they focus on you, they keep, you, you say focus while we're walking past this other dog and they're looking for that treat instead of looking at this other dog that's barking and going crazy. And so it can really be a way to redirect behavior in a positive way. There's nothing negative about asking them to focus on something good, good being the treat for the dog, right? Good being your attention, your voice, your your petting and so on. So this is a way that we can really create a change in the culture and also just people passing each other on people on dog walks, you know, people walking in the neighborhood, um, knowing that you can get your dog, you see something that's a little bit of a trigger. He's starting to look at that dog 50 feet away. Let's get him. If we can't turn around, go the way, let's get him to focus on us and sit and do the treat, but break that eye contact right away. Turn that dog 90 degrees away from the that eye direction, have him sit, get a treat. He's going to be in a relaxed state now. You might have to do that five times to get past that dog, but you're going to have a smooth passing. And, yeah. you know, like Sophia was really, you know, my wild feral rescue was really wild on walks. You know, it was not fun. And she learned that, okay, here comes a dog. I'm going to get a treat. So in the beginning, she sort of manipulated me. Okay, here's a dog. I'm going to get a treat. Take the treat. And then she'd bark at the dog. <laughs> but so we have to keep it moving, right? So, so that she doesn't get st- stuck and fixated. But getting them to focus on what's good and a treat is good is a way to shift behavior in dogs and humans. Yep. Let's go. Let's start right now. Let's work. At- oh, actually, maybe a little later. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and keep going with this. All right. 
Hey friends, if you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, check out Dr. Joseph's book, The Human-Animal Connection, Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All right, welcome back to Human Animal Connection Show. We've been talking about focus, and it's so important and so applicable in so many ways with animals and humans. So um, let's keep going with this. And Jeannie, you'd mentioned soft focus before about um, you know looking, looking away, looking, looking away. So tell me more about the dynamic between soft focus and laser focus. Yeah, so laser focus is like when we're working on the computer, our eyes are just really in a narrow beam, we're looking at a screen, and uh, science now shows that we can actually burn out with too much laser focus, too much focus attention. That could be on anything. It could be on anything you're doing, work, a work project, whatever. We have, uh, we can, we like have a uh, a tank of laser focus, and then when, when it's out, it's out, not forever, but it needs to be recharged because we can burn out if we only have laser focus. And that's why some of these more modern uh, workplaces in, bring in games or a fun room or whatever to get people into soft focus, which is not so purpose or goal-directed. Um, so hard focus is, is purpose and goal-directed, and we certainly need to have that. I mean, people who can't do that don't do well in school, don't do well in life, they have a hard time. So we certainly want to encourage the development of hard focus, but we also want to equally want to encourage the development of soft focus, which is the ability to sit and do nothing, which is the ability to just be quiet, which is the ability to not have a goal and just be in the moment and see what happens. So if you're on a walk with your dog, you want to make sure that you have some laser focus to see, okay, there's another dog over here. What, what's that person doing? They look like they're in control or not in control, whatever it is. You know, we get that awareness, but then we can also go into soft focus. Oh, he stopped, you know, Sophia's stopping to sniff something. Oh, look at that flower that just bloomed. It wasn't here yesterday. You know, that's kind of that that soft focus where our eyes just go, like when if you look at a candle and your eyes just kind of blur, you get into the soft focus. Dogs can feel the difference between when you have soft focus and a hard stare. And lots of times when, when we, we're so happy to see a dog, we love that dog, our eyes go soft focus immediately. And we just get into this kind of, oh, you know, and they can feel the difference between that and that hard focus, you know, you've done something wrong kind of stare. Um, so they can feel the difference. And for us, as humans, we need to learn how to switch back and forth. So when I was working with soldiers with PTSD, this really helped them to understand that they had the ability to switch between dwelling, which is like focused on a, in a very narrow window, like this event, this event, this event, this event. It's it's very focusing um, versus just diffusing. Oh, here's this beautiful dog. I'm going to pet this dog. Oh, look what he's doing now. Oh, he's showing me his belly. You know, like it's all in the moment. And that is a soft focus, which is very healing. So would you say soft focus, excuse me, is more like just being present with yes and and gentle and yes and easy. Yeah. Yes. And okay. you know, and literally um letting your eyes just kind of soften. It's like you'll see soft focus in animals, you'll see a hard stare in animals, you know, you'll see all of this. And it's good practice to just you can let yourself like go soft focus, like go fuzzy staring at a tree or at a flower or water, you know, mountain, anything that 
that brings you pleasure to just let your eyes just melt. You just kind of, you're no longer trying to see the details, but you're just kind of letting yourself go into the experience of just really receiving, you know, beyond just visual. Hard focus is very visual oriented. Soft focus is the whole body experiencing something. Love that. What are focus splitters? What are your key focus splitters? So I asked the teens to look at this. So we sometimes we really need laser focus. Like if we're doing a homework assignment, we really need to be able to stay uh, focused on that and not also checking email, checking text messages, you know, jumping up and down, doing different things. Because studies show that when you go back to something, it takes longer to get the brain kind of in sync with the activity than if you kind of stayed with it, not forever, but for let's say 15, 20 minutes at a time. And so um, what we see is all these focus splitters in today's world, you know, like we're, we're, we're talking, you know, we're having lunch together, but the phone's beeping or whatever, you know, these, all these different things pull our focus. Oh my God, what was that message? Do I need to do what was she calling about? Oh, did I handle that? You know, all this goes on and we're not with the person and sitting across from us at the lunch table. So this is something that's, you know, an, an epidemic in our society is focus splitting where, and then it becomes hard People are not good at being focused. They don't know how to uh, give all of their attention, all their brain power to a task. So um, we want to develop the ability to go back and forth between the ability to have laser focus and soft focus. And that's what keeps our brain healthy. Yeah. So we, you know, we ask the students, we say in our canines teach compassion, our, our class for teens, we say, you know, what are you willing to do to harness your focus? When do you need your focus harnessed? And when do you need to give yourself uh, soft focus, freedom to play, you know, like journaling or playing or talking to someone or just having some fun, you know, so when do you need your focus organized and coherent, laser focus, and when do you need your focus diffused and receptive, ability to just see what's going on around you in the world, you know, so that's the power of focus. So I'm really glad we had a chance to talk about that today. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about how animals have opinions and what that means for our relationship. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much once again. And and folks, if always, if you have questions, reach out, reach out, reach out. Yep. See you again. Aloha, Aloha. for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Animal Connection Show. Please visit our website, thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, musings on how to create an exceptional life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.